0: Welcome to the Samson Strength Coach Collective Podcast. We've created this collective in order to grow a network of strength coaches who are consistently raising the standard within our industry and as an educational resource for coaches of all levels. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Samson underscore EQ. This episode features Tom Palumbo, Human Performance Advisor for AFSOC HQ, hosted by Justin Trump. The views and opinions expressed in this interview are not that of the United States government, the DOD, or the United States Air Force. Welcome to the uh, Coaches Collective. Uh, my name is Justin Schwind. I'm a human performance advisor at the uh, 58 Sal, also a KBR uh, contractor. Um, today, our guest we have on is uh, Tom Palumbo. He is the uh, human performance advisor at AFSOC headquarters. Um, thanks for being on today, Tom.
1: Justin, hey, I appreciate being on this show. Uh, It's just an honor to be asked to be here uh, and to be able to talk with you. I I know prior to us recording, we had a good conversation, so that kind of sets me into the weekend going really nice and everything and getting these updates from you.
0: Yes, sir. Um, So real quick, uh, we always like to start off uh, rapping a little bit about you. So
1: what I say is Tom Palumbo in three and a half minutes. Go. All right. Appreciate it. Uh, So I don't don't think I need that whole time. Uh, I don't think it's that interesting. But uh, I I always got to start off like uh, people usually start off where they got their degrees and things like that. But I got to start off a little bit before that. Uh, I had great parents. I had the world's best parents. And it's not a competition against your parents or anyone else's. But uh, I would not... I would have made a lot more mistakes in life if it wasn't as fortunate uh, to have the great parents I did. Uh, And then that just transcends my life after my parents took, um, you know, I was, moved away from them, then it became the people I chose to be around. And, and for better or worse, those people that you surround yourself with are the guys and girls that that that, that shape you. And so I fell in and, and had a lot of great friends that have kind of brought me along the way and, and great bosses too, great co workers and, and great uh, employees to work with. So uh, that's kind of what's the beginning of where I start right there is, is where I've come from. A graduate of the University of Georgia, undergrad master's while I was getting my master's I was a volunteer for strength and conditioning at that point in time there was an all of uh strength in all of uh strength and conditioning at the University of Georgia uh they only had one GA position and so I got a GA position within the physical uh, education department teaching PE classes and then volunteered on the side because I was pretty sure that I wanted to be a strength and conditioning coach but the only way to find out is to do it I did it for 18 months uh And that worked out because that's the, from my standpoint, now that I hire people, that's the best way to hire people is I had an 18 month interview and I didn't even think about it at the time, but you really know what you're getting. Uh, there's a lot of people that can really do well in an hour interview or or something like that. Uh, but when you're around someone for that long, you can really find out. So I was fortunate enough that, that I, I stayed the course because I got asked a lot of times, like, this isn't the the Red Cross or, or, or the church. Why are you volunteering so much time for an athletics? And I was like, I think it'll pay off in the future. So it did. Uh, from there, I went with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, after the Pittsburgh Pirates, uh, I went to um, the Ohio State University. Uh, And from there, I went to uh, Flagler College, uh, Division II school for about 18 months. And then uh, I was very fortunate to be uh, contacted to apply for a job uh, now within the tactical field uh, at Seventh Group Special Forces. Uh, Great job. Great people. Loved it. And uh, from there, uh, the position came open uh, that I'm in now. uh, And I was kind of asked uh, if I was interested in applying and I applied and and very fortunate that uh, I'm I'm in the position that I am. And and I, and I owe it not only to myself, but it started when I started this conversation back with my parents and then uh, the people that surround me, uh, my wife, who is extremely supportive. um, She had to, for us to get over here in the first place, uh, she had to file a hardship for her job to move her. So that just shows the dedication, the willingness, because she was happy. She was happy, but, uh, her support me, and that just fuels your desire to do better and to make sure to make this happen and make this the right decision. So, that's kind of, in in a nutshell. Hopefully, less than three three and a half minutes is kind of how I'm I got to where I'm at now. Well, you know, and and I, I know you know
0: this. We also had your your tactical mentor, uh, Mike Sanders, on earlier um, this year, and I, I can't can't say there's a better man in this sector, um, to learn from, to be around, than Mike, um, he just, he gets it. Um, and I, and I think anytime I had a question, um, he was definitely somebody, he's definitely somebody that I reach out to, even though I never directly worked with him just because of the type of person he is. And I know he's going to shoot me honestly. And I, I think that that's, that's the coolest part about him and and the whole seventh group crew uh, for sure.
1: I couldn't agree more. And before we move on to anything else, uh, we'll take some, I'd like to take some time and touch on that. Uh, when you talk about Mike Sanders and you talk about the seventh group crew, you know, there are some that people that aren't there and there's new people coming in. So it's not a, a static you know, group of people. But Mike Sanders, as a boss, as a mentor, as a, a man of God, uh, all three of those realms, as a father, as a husband, as a friend, uh, he excels in all those areas. But I'll speak as far as a boss goes. I've never, uh, my professional abilities grew the most under him because there was no fear of failure. He gave us the opportunity to expand and promote our ideas and with top coverage, meaning he would protect us if there was any And it never did. I found out I was a better coach and made less mistakes because the fear of failure was removed from me. Uh, and that transcends other aspects. I was just generally happier when you're happier, you do a better job. And then, and so what he does also there in, in, Uh, by design, I guess, Uh, maybe not just because of the person he is and the people that he attracts to him. Uh, That group at Seventh Group that I worked with when I first started in the middle of my career there and towards the end of the career as they fluctuated out, all quality people. Uh, You can't say enough about that. And you don't find too many jobs. And I feel bad for, I talked to young strength coaches and some that have been in the business a little longer and you hear about their hardships meaning the people they work for the people they work with it's just tough situations that they're in and i want to let them know there are jobs out there there are places out there where people will love you they will be your friend they will be your family like i just listened to uh, some guys from marsoc talk about their most important asset is their humans like they've had people their, their employees and they're, it's not the equipment. It's not the technology. It's not the facilities. It's the people running it because when they said they first started, they had some really qualified people, but it didn't click and it it, it, it needs to click. And so, you know, when you get in those situations, it's such a pleasure. You, I look forward to going, I always look forward to where I was going next. In the morning I look forward to going to work and when work was done, I was look forward to go home. But I, I, sometimes you've heard people say that, um, Hey, you don't have to be their friend. You don't have to go get a beer with them. You just got to work with them. Uh, but they talked about in their presence, MARSOC talked about in their presentation, no, I, I want to go be, have that kind of relationship. I want to go have a beer with them. I want to go hang out with them. And I've had that at, at, at both, well, in most of my jobs, but it, it was really got amped up at Seventh Group and even now here at AFSOC. Uh, so uh, very fortunate uh, that my career is going in this direction and it's based on people.
0: I agree. All right. So in that statement, in those statements, um, what motivates you as a practitioner? And in saying that, second part of that question is, how do you motivate others the same way that you're motivated?
1: Okay, I don't know if I got the attention span to remember the second part so if I don't get to it. uh, So what motivates me to do my job is the end user a lot of times, and the further I'm getting further away from the end user, which is the air commando. Uh, So I don't have that interaction with them anymore. Earlier in the week, I went to a going-away party for uh, Dr. Terrell. Uh, She's leaving uh, USASOC and coming over here with us to to AFSOC. And I saw all the operators that I used to work with there, and uh, that was something that I cherished and and I miss having. Uh, So I can never forget the end user. It doesn't matter what's happening to me. I'm not there at the job for me at any point in time what they do for me is they pay me money. Okay. The fact that I love it and enjoy it, that's side, that's, you know, that's gravy, you know, that's, that's the, the black velvet cake that I had last night at dinner. You know, that's, that's awesome, you know, uh, but never forget that. And sometimes I think the further away you get, you start putting yourself first and not, and, and this isn't, this none of this is groundbreaking, nothing that's earth shattering. Like it, it's just and I'm sure in almost every podcast uh, and Zoom uh, that you've done, you hear something similar to that. But never forget who you're there for and why you're there. Um, and that'll always keep you on track. A lot of times um, within the job, uh, and you probably experienced this plenty of times, uh, I want to try and do this. Well, you just can't do that. You know, for whatever reason, there's this, there's this rule or law or something where you got to go back is it the right thing to do, okay? And if you can answer that first one, is it the right thing to do for the operator, okay? Then is it the best thing to do for the operator? Is it fiscally responsible? And third being, will I somehow overtax the contractors? But that's the first premise you have to ask and that's what goes back as far as motivating me. Um, Second part of the question, if I've got it right, it was it, now how do I kind of motivate others Like, like you? So if you're asking me that, I don't know why you're asking me that. That should be, <laughs> you should say that I just don't. Like, hey, I never hear from him and he never motivates me. I don't know if that's something. Uh, so that maybe is a question I defer to you. But I hope um, because of our, our distance, and this is happening with most of the people that I work with, uh, is that I hope I give you the freedom and the autonomy to do what you need to get done, and I know it doesn't always show. And I, and I promise you, I understand that. But I'm here to support you and, and things move slowly. And I bet you a lot of times you've gotten out of an email or a phone call with me and said, ah, I wish you'd get something done there. Like, and, I, and I really do. I feel the burdens of things that don't get done that, that should be done for you. Because ultimately, I, I try and look out for you and you look out for the people that really do the job the physical therapist the dietitian the athletic trainer and the strength coach those are the people that are doing the job and so ultimately we need to work for them so they can work for the air commando uh, and so I feel like not the i don't feel like everything as far as the timeline goes is a failure, but I, I don't feel like things are working on the timeline that I would like it to happen. And I got told that when I when I when I was interviewing for the job, this is not going to happen on your timeline. There's so many ideas that you have that you've presented with me that I love and that's awesome. And so I'm going to bat, and it just doesn't happen the way we want it because it makes sense. It's like, why not? You know, it, it looks good. So I I got off on that tangent, but I would say that it's hopefully at, at our positions the way we are. I give you the autonomy that that you need and want, and the support even though you don't always see it, and I apologize for that, uh, that it is there and that there are things in the works that we work on every day and I'm in somebody's ear because I don't have the, the authority to make the decisions, but I have the ability to get somebody's ear who has somebody's ear that can make a decision for you. So uh, that's it. And then I know specifically for, for you and I right here, there was something that you brought up and you kind of wanted us to make a decision. And and I did not feel that that was uh, the echelon two level I weighed in. I think that that's got to be your decision right there. Uh, the second way, and this is once again goes to things don't work on my timeline, is that I've got to give you some type of structure and umbrella and guidance to work under. Uh, when you took the job, when I took the job, uh, and with everyone else here, because our positions, your position started a little bit later, but everyone at headquarters, we all started around the same time. And there wasn't a structure, a guidance plan. So we've been working on that, and we've had our first draft ready since November of last year it's several months since November of last year and you still don't have the guidance, the umbrella and the guidance is both. Hey, I need to, if I'm building these train tracks and I've got this big locomotive, I'm ready to go and you're ready to go. You don't know which way to lay down tracks because I haven't given you the roadmap yet to get there. I'm not going to tell you how fast to drive it and everything else, but I at least need to tell you the direction to go in. and, And we haven't done that for you yet. I promise you it's out there. And on the second hand is to protect you so that everybody doesn't come in and think that they run your program. Okay. Uh, And so that that's some of the things. So to sum up the answer to the question, motivate, hopefully I'm giving you the autonomy that you need and the protection and oversight that you want from this standpoint, and you can answer whether or not I'm doing it or not. I appreciate that.
0: So in that, that you're, you're, you're spot on in that understanding you're hired as the subject matter expert. Like human performance advisor, it's because of your years of experience. You're, you're hired in by the military to advise them so they make the right decision. So in that, they obviously have, uh, uh, the Air Force has their force way. Like they have things the way they're doing, right, wrong, or the other. Um, if it's wrong or the other, and it's not the right way, but you know what the right way is, how do you create that buy-in so they understand the right way.
1: So uh, when I was visiting uh, some of the guys, from, when I was actually at back at Seventh Group talking with some of those guys, I try and stay in touch with them as much as possible. Um, they were on a phone call and I don't know who to attribute this quote to. So if you're out there, contact uh, Coach Schwinn and let them know it's you because it was a great one or maybe hide under a, a shell because it's spot on. I'm only the subject matter expert when you agree with me, Uh, that was the quote I heard. And and that's, that's sometimes true. And you should see when people agree with me, man, oh man, this guy knows everything. Uh, So to answer your question in a more serious fashion though, uh, it's one of the biggest things is persistence and polite persistence. And and I see that in you uh, coach, Uh, even though we maybe disagree sometimes, uh, we haven't lost the ability to be agreeable, okay? So, uh, Travis Pelletier, he told me this one time, he goes, in our society, we've lost the ability to disagree without being disagreeable. Uh, And so, same idea, even though I might not get my way uh, or, or exactly how I want it. Uh, it doesn't mean that I need to be any less respectful, any less polite, any less uh, coming into a positive attitude. Uh, so those things play come into play because at some point in time, if I am the squeaky wheel, it will get some type of notice. And it's just persistence. The first time you hear a no, you can't accept it as no. Okay. So... I'm no longer training operators. Uh, I'm trying to help you guys have the tools that you need and be in the situation, not only from the physical standpoint of of equipment, room, and human bodies, but just the structure and support that you need to get the job done. Uh, Then I've got to be persistent on my end and never say no and never leave it at at, at that. Sometimes I don't even get, I get ambivalence then I need to find someone else that's that's willing to take that on, or I just need to continue taking it on. And I build the whole puzzle by I get a piece from you and I get a piece from them and I get a piece from that. And then I try and work it from there. And as soon as it gets close enough, then I kind of understand what's going on. So summarizing that question right there, uh, just being persistent to try and change it, but being definitely polite, courteous, respectful, uh, because these are other people that are also in their mind doing what they think is right And sometimes if you're overly aggressive, you better make sure you're right sometimes and everything else like that. So, uh, and there's, and there are people like you and I, and they go home and they've got families, they've got kids and and stuff like that. So there's no reason for it to get anything above that.
0: I agree. I agree. And I always say, I keep asking until I'm told no. Yeah. That's that's my simple way of of going after it. I'm going to keep asking like, until you tell me no, if you say maybe, or, 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 Let's keep looking at it, and I'm going to keep asking. And then when you tell me no, I'm like, okay, I've, I've, I've hit my boundary of, of where I need to be at. Let's move on to the next. Um, all right, so on top of that, and to kind of carry on with, with the same direction we're going, how do you describe your style, your style of when you were a coach, your style of managing? Um, how do you describe that, um, and how has it changed over the years from the early Tom Palumbo to
1: present day? Uh, so I would say, uh, with coaching, the evolution came, when we all start, a lot of us, uh, are pretty young. So I was 25 when I started, I wasn't that much older than the people I was coaching. Uh, and so I had to create some type of separation with them. I was, I could not be their peer. Uh, and so that creates, so you have to act a certain way, uh, which sometimes can not go over well. Uh, And so I felt as a younger coach, uh, there was often conflicts Uh, that later on in life I was able to avoid because I no longer had to have that separation because I was clearly older. Uh, Being older, another thing, you get experiences. So I get to look back at every single experience that I had and build on that. Where did I make my mistakes? And then you get a second chance, luckily. And when you see that situation again, now you have another opportunity to succeed in that. So uh, to any athlete that ever that I worked with in in my younger career at any point in time, uh, I might owe some of them an apology because, you know, like I said, my start off, my parents were the best parents. I never realized that they were, they were human beings and stuff like that. You know, they were my age when, you know, when I was around and uh, they didn't have a a first or second go around like they were doing, and they nailed it the first time. Uh, Whereas, you know, I had to get better as I went. One thing I would say that, uh, so as, as on the floor and coaching, and I think you probably get these from a lot that when you get this question answered. uh, So I was loud, but I was not a hype guy. I mean, if I was coaching you, everybody in the room heard it so that everyone got coached at the same time. Nobody was ever going to wonder what he said or how I said it and stuff like that. And everybody got coached. And, uh, every time that, you, that I watched you do something, you got some way to get better or I reinforced something that you had already done right. If you did something right, I was gonna tell you great job, but I was gonna tell you great job why. Uh, and then I would move on to the next person. It was, I was constantly moving. So I would see one set of yours, boom, another set, another set, and I moved the room the entire time. Uh, I limited profanity. Uh, And so that limiting of the hype and profanity, so they knew what they were getting because the athletes were were overstimulated anyway. They were getting yelled at at practice. Maybe their parents were yelling at them, boyfriend, girlfriend, yelling at them and everything else like that. I don't know. I don't want to be the other guy that just yelled at them. But it's amazing that when I did bring the hype, if we we were doing a testing session uh, or, or, or there was something really to be excited about, then I really could be the hype guy, really could be excited about that. When it came to game times on the sideline, any of those things, then I could get excited because this is what we're here for. And it was – you could see if you have your radio uh, all the way at 10 – then when you turn it to 11, you really can't hear it. Like it's just still loud. But if you go from a a lower volume to a higher volume, then all of a sudden you you do notice the difference. And every now and then, you know, I'm a joyful profanity guy. Like (laughs) when I get happy, sometimes some things come out. So you'll hear that too. But I, I always wanted to set somewhat of an example for those athletes. So, uh, whether they chose to use profanity or anything, that's, that's up to them. But I tried to limit it. And, I, you know, they weren't getting it at home, hopefully. You know, they weren't getting cussed out at home and stuff. And I, and I didn't feel like, well, now that I have the right or to, to, to cuss at them either. Uh, so that's kind of the, the evolution there. And then the beautiful thing, and as you found out, going from college sports over to the tactical side, now you're dealing with just a different person. You're dealing with this same because we got we get a lot of college athletes on the tactical side, and that'd be a great recruiting tool because you know they already have the physical and mental capabilities to do the job. Now can they be molded into what you need on the tactical side? But now you're dealing with just your tactic, your team, you're taking your athletes, and now they're now 30 to 40 years old, okay? So just like me as a young coach and and that needed to evolve and get better, and to apologize to some past athletes, uh, same idea. That person now has grown up and evolved and is now mature and looks at the world different because of experiences, because of mistakes. I think making mistakes is awesome so that you don't make them later in life. Um, and so now I can have more conversations. Instead of uh, here, you do this, it's now turned into to conversations on where we see you moving forward and what do you need? Here's my, here's what I see as, as the, as the SME, as you said, uh, but what, you know, how do you feel like that? And I am no longer that's, there's no longer that, that power kind of differentiation. We are on the same playing field now and on there. I'm there as an aid to you. I I just need to help you out. Um, so there's that answer. (laughs) I didn't have a good way to close it out. Hope that part gets edited. (laughs) No, it's it's too easy. Um, we we can make
0: that happen um, only I think by by the way of of being present. And I, I think my coaching style, what I, I say, more importantly than anything, is making sure that I'm present. Um, okay. It's not I'm not it's, it's I'm not there. I'm I'm checked in. Um, um, I, early in my career, I was the, the I was the screamer, the hype guy. Um, but the farther I went into my career, I noticed that. Couldn't do that for everyone, and then when I get to the tactical setting, is these guys don't want that. Now we're doing something competitive. Sure, I'm gonna get pretty dang excited, um, but as a whole, I'm gonna let them be them. Um, and if they have questions, I'm gonna answer them. But more importantly, they know that I'm present.
1: Um, That's a good thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna write that down. I'm gonna take that from from here. Be present. I like that. I, I just I just the more I,
0: I read and, and understand. That's, that's what they, the athlete, cause that's really what they are. That's what the athlete really wants is they want that person to be present with them. So, all right, this is the, uh, tough one. Um, so this question here, working with you worked with athletes, you worked, uh, from the collegiate level to the tactical sector, aka okay, operators, um, and even more, I mean, your day-to-day people, um, you mean, knuckleheads like me. So you're working with people. They come from a different environment, different philosophy. Um, how do you sell them on your vision and, and your philosophy? Um, uh, perfect example, and, and I'll use this, um, University of Alabama, um, during the Scott Cochran tenure, um, they won a lot of national championships. And there was a lot of people that said, hey, this is what we do. We won this way. Um, and currently they are, have a brand-new system, brand-new staff. Um, they're going to completely against everything that Cochran did um, because um, there, it's very much more research-based, very much more science-based, and it's adapted to the team and to the style of play that the players are, um, not out of a book but present. So that's what Coach Ballou is working on right now to reestablish that, that piece of what he believes in. So, how do you do that? Um, you've had athletes come to you over the years that come from different programs. You've had soldiers that worked with knuckleheads like me up at SWIC um, that have come down and worked with you. Um, how do you work with them and how do you sell them on you and what you believe and not completely smash and, and contradict everything they came from?
1: Well, one, keep calling about knucklehead. I tell you what, you lift me up, coach. Like, uh, you make me better, okay? And I take a lot of cues from you. The fact that you are actively staying in touch with me, even though we are remote from each other. Um, uh, You've always got a positive attitude. We've been through a a few hiccups uh, getting started here. And, man, you took it perfectly. You know what? Didn't even not even a scratch on you, you know? So, so I think that's awesome. So I, I, I take that on myself and it's a learning experience. When I, when I talk to you, I try and take something from that. So uh, as strength and conditioning is, is science and an art uh, there's a lot of times it's tough to say right and wrong. You better be careful. If you better, if you're saying that you're right, then you're saying everybody else is wrong. That disagrees with you. Uh, and a lot of times, what I, I I've gotten in my career is people like, "Look at this! Look at what we did today as far as our workout! Like, how stupid is that? This and that and everything." Man, I, I have no idea what the intent of the coach is uh, for that day. I I mean, maybe I can see it from that, but I don't know how that fits into their grand scheme of of programming. Uh, like, let's take any, let's take any game. Let's take soccer. Let's say I walk up to a soccer practice. And, man, all they are doing is working on defense, and it is fast-paced, and it's just defense, defense the whole time. I'd be like, man, the soccer coach doesn't know what he's doing. Like, there's got to be some balance in that. But what I didn't know was the previous game, maybe the final score was 7-6, to six, you know. Offense was churning pretty good, but if they had, you know, stopped the other team a little bit more, so that's it was a focus of that day. And it was within the game plan, so that's why they were doing it. So without knowing – the reasonings behind what other programming is, then I can't make judgment on it. There's only a few absolutes in strength and condition. There's, very, there's a few, but there's only a few of them. So I need to find out, just, just tell me why you're doing it. And the same goes idea. Like a lot of times you may not know what we're doing up here at headquarters or, or you might hear something that you have to do and you don't know why. And it's like, well, why do I have to do it? But if you know why, You may not always agree with it, but at least you can get some buy-in from it because there is some type of reasoning behind it. Or you can come back to me and argue your point because your why for what you want to do is better than my why for what I want to do. And it comes back to, I hear you talk a lot about having conversations and it goes the same way. It goes laterally and it goes up and down. Um, The more communication, and communication is an overused word a lot of times, but underused. Uh, We try and handle a lot of things by email, and a lot of uh, uh, misunderstandings happen through email. Picking up the phone, getting on a Zoom call is kind of the way to go. So hearing someone else out, not writing uh, what they're doing off is completely wrong because it's different from you. And then find a way to gap the bridge from what you believe in and your philosophy to what they're doing and what they uh, and their philosophy and bridge those together. And you might, uh, you know, there's that song, uh, if you don't stand for anything, you'll if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. So still have your, don't, don't meander and change your philosophy and change your belief system, but be willing to have it adapt. Let it be like a river, you know, a, a little bit of water created the grand Canyon. Okay. And look at what that did, but it had the flexibility to bend. The grand Canyon is not straight. Same idea. How can we move together and, and come together in unison and, and feel that and uh, get to our end state and our end goal. And a lot of times I may disagree what you want to do, but if it's going to get to your end state, quicker and faster than I'm willing to, to bend a, a little bit, as long as it doesn't compromise ethics, morals, uh, absolute science within, within the field, something like that. Uh, so that's kind of my thoughts there. No, I appreciate it. So
0: we've talked kind of about philosophy um, and, and, and art and of you and, and your coaching and, and how you've gotten to where you've gotten to. So in that process, um, how do you continue on the educational side or, or continuing educational side? How do you continue to to sharpen your your craft? Um, meaning um, resources via organizations, via podcasts, certifications, um, anything in that books, anything in that realm. What were you right now? What's kind of sharpening your edge of your spear right now?
1: Great question. Uh, So a lot of it comes from uh, interactions that I have with people. So in the past, you've, uh, you sent me some, uh, some recordings that you had with uh, Kelly Stark, you know, that right there, I've got a lot of people that are really, you're one of those guys. And I've got, I'm lucky to have a lot of professional colleagues and friends that are really out there in the trenches, looking for information. And then you spend a lot of time getting it. And then you kind of just, say, Hey, look at what I found. And so I'm very fortunate to be on the receiving end of that because there is such a proliferation of available information uh, more than any other time in the world. Like before, long time ago, find out something in an encyclopedia, but now the amount of podcasts, the amount of just information available. So now the problem is not finding it. It's now ciphering through everything to find out what's pertinent for you. So I rely on people. You're one of those people that kind of feeds me. Hey, check this YouTube clip out. Check this out. Uh, Travis Pelletier is another guy that's always on the cusp, always looking for stuff. He's sending me, he's very generous and sending me things like that. Uh, And then my shift has gone and this has been a shift too, is because you asked about organizations. So when I first started attending conferences uh, with the NSCA, I was sitting in the lecture hall, and I was amazed, and I was like, look at that guy up there. He's been doing this for this long, and he's won this, and, and man, this is new. I've never heard of that and stuff like that. Uh, Now it's more shifted at the conferences, and they're they're important to me or more important to me now because then I go and I see people like yourself and other professionals in the field that – once again, tip me on to something. Either I listen to your presentation and I get something out of it, but then I can meet with you later and be like, "So, where is your thinking on this?" And I can really delve into that a little bit more. And just the 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 the, the overall group knowledge that's available at these conferences is now kind of where. So I might not get what I need, the information at that conference, but I've got a link, I've got a book, I've got some type of of. Uh, TED Talk or something out there that's now accessible to me. So there's no real, I don't, there's not a a, a, a social media or media standpoint that I constantly rely on. Uh, I do find myself uh, more into books than other things for the reason that they can take their time and, and really get things explained. Um, and I've kind of gotten away before. It used to be strength and conditioning, strength and conditioning, strength and conditioning. Now it's gotten into more of, uh, <coughs> excuse me, uh, management, leadership, which are two different things, uh, styles in there. And some of that can be overridden. And then I'm also getting more into certain, uh, biographies, uh, of people just to learn from them, because as I've learned from myself and my mistakes, and maybe some of my successes first time around, hey, you did it right this first time. Don't screw it up when you see it again kind of thing. Uh, Colonel Raph Rodriguez uh, is a well-read uh, uh, friend of mine. And uh, when we parted ways, uh, he was moving. I said, I want one gift from you. And I said, I want your top 10 list of books to read. And so he wrote them down on an index card. And I made sure I, those were the next 10 books that I read. Uh, so that was a fantastic uh, a journey there. Uh, and like I said, now I'm in the, I, I look at, at biographies and you can learn a lot. And what you put into that, how you interpret what the author is talking about, uh, can have good introspection for yourself. So right now I'm reading uh, Running for Your Life. Uh, I was turned on to that by Lieutenant Colonel Olkowski, uh and she knew the wife of the author, and uh he's got an incredible he has a a absolutely incredible story biography i'm only about a quarter way through it but i it's one of those things it's the last thing i do at night before i go to sleep and i'm like a little kid at that point in time i'm starting to doze off and i don't i don't want to go to bed yet and you know pretty soon i'll probably start crying or something but then i was like okay i gotta put myself to bed this is where i'm at and i'll pick it up tomorrow but i look at what he's gone through uh uh, right now, his, his name in the book is, is Lo Pepe. Uh, it does change. He get, when he gets baptized, it becomes Joseph. Uh, but the struggles that this man went through and his attitude, that's, that's what I take from it. I take away the narrative, but I also take the meaning behind it. Uh, he's an inspiration to me. And so you talked about earlier what, what motivates you. Well, man this guy had the odds of the world stacked against him not of not of his neighborhood not of his county not of his state you know not a he had you know and, and he made a huge success of himself uh i can take something from that so that's kind of where i am i'm more i'm getting more into books but i rely on people like yourself to kind of filter the information out there to kind of help me out what's your sources
0: you know i like, to be honest with you i, I i've always like
1: to uh when we
0: have um these um conferences I always like to go to the vendors because they're the ones that are doing the R&D and seeing how it which one's going to relate to the setting we're in and then I like to stay in touch with them um and see where they're at and then take what they're doing back to the staff and discuss discuss it with them um and have that that conversation because I feel like when we do that and if we do that um we can uh, we can push forward and um um, and we can really see where they develop because again they're trying to sell a product uh and they're trying to innovate it and make it better um and they're gonna have some definitely some great insights that i won't understand because there might be an engineer they might be uh, a welder of some sort, and then I can present ideas that I have and I, they can even bring those to reality. Uh, like right now, perfect example um, uh, our, we have our sports medicine clinic on our second floor of our building, and there's a garage door bay. And uh, right now, the uh, Air Force side um, um, wants to build some sort of cage that can reach out of the garage door and they can work on fast rope um okay. and um and they can obviously they're, they're locked in they're belted in but they can in the office second floor they can see the ground that we could we could wet the rope we gotta wet it um to make it the 300 plus pounds that would be wet or if we pull it dry or however we do it accordingly but they have that real life i guess you could say specific uh, uh training modality um and before they get to the aircraft and get up in the air and and fail because a lot of them do because they don't have the capability doing it just because the aircraft is doing this and this and all the other things. And the rope is extremely heavy. Um, uh, they could we could get as specific to it as possible. But if I didn't know the vendors that I, that I know and, and put in that, that effort the way I do, um, I couldn't be like, Hey, I, let's figure this out. Um, and they could even maybe talk to the vendors and, get their, their thoughts on it and then take it over to our uh, in-house folks over at our, our garage and see if they can fabricate it themselves. So all in all, it's, it's just kind of, I think that's where I've learned the most. Um, in my kind of my career is meeting those people and then asking them, Hey, kind of just like you said, be the connector who, who and where have you learned from? And they're usually going to have that influence um, and, and drive into it. You know? And then a lot of times, just like you said, if someone refers me, hey, check out this video, um, and I read the video or I watch the video or I read the article, um, next thing I do is I call the person up um, or I email them or I find, I find out how to get a hold of them and get them on the, on the phone or video or whatever, um, and then, and then that, that's where I really deep dive. So that's kind of how I've operated over the years. People are, people are like, like – I had a clinic when I was in South Alabama – and I did it for ten years, and I had Al Miller and Al Vermeil, and, Mill and uh, you know some of the legends, Johnny Parker. Um, I had Kelly Starrett. I had um, Jim Windler. Um, I had James Smith. A lot of guys. A lot of. I had Louis Simmons. Um, I had Louis come down for three days to spend with our staff. People were like, "How'd you get a hold of him?" I said, "Well, I, I read their book, or I saw their podcast, or I." I saw a video of them and then I called them up and I said, Hey, you know, what will it take to get you with my staff? And that's kind of same thing where I'm at now, but the beginning with, with video technology, which we didn't have 10, 15 years ago. Um, is you can do that like right now. Um, so I, that's, that's kind of my go-to now is, is reach out to them. Hey, can you jump on a BTC with the staff? Um, we did that this year with Kelly. We did that this year with, uh, Mike Bergner. Um, and then, um, you know, I, I don't have anybody else on the list right now, but definitely keep it in consideration just to kind of learn um, and, and, and talk and, and hear. Because a lot of times, I think, especially on the uh, military side, um, the active duty folks and the officers or the commanders, um, they don't quite grasp the picture until they hear how it's done in the same setting at another location. And when they hear how it's done, they're like, Oh, okay, I guess that is the standard. Um, and they want to push for it. You know, perfect example, the current weight one we're working on. Like they wanted just to take our current uh rigs that we have and they wanted to mount them in the wall. I'm like, no, we gotta think bigger picture. Like, let's just think if for some reason money fell out of the sky, what can we do? And we, we we put it together. Um, and then I reached out to the other south and I and I asked them, I said, Hey, what do you guys have? And and we got on BTCs with them and our commander's like, yeah, we, let's try to push this. So we got it done. Um, it went from bolting in rigs to a real human performance facility, um, which is which is exciting. So I think that's kind of kind of my side in the nutshell. Um, and I've I really enjoyed that. I've always said, reach out to the best or reach out to the industry standard and see what they're doing. And and they kind of they set the bar, and then you shoot for that bar. Um, yeah. So as that, and going forward with that, um, as an industry, um, what do you think we need to do better to push the needle forward? Um, I think that, you know, kind of philosophically when you take over things, what I see, you know, obviously I I see things that I want done, um, not for me, but because I want where I'm at and the field that I represent to be the best. Um, so I, I definitely have my own take on that, but I want to hear yours.
1: Kind of was hoping you'd go first. Uh, I think it's a great question uh, it, in the fact that it, has, it requires a lot of foresight. I think a lot of times I get embedded down in the weeds in the day to day of what needs to get done to where I can't have that that vision of the future, and that's where like Mike Sanders excelled. Like he was a visionary. Uh, and then we just needed to make it happen for him. Um, so I don't think I've got a good answer. Really, I, I don't. And so that's why i would be interested to hear what you have to say. I, I think um, if I had to, to give you an answer, and, and like I said, I, I'll qualify this. I don't know how good it is, is to look, and I know recovery is now becoming a key word, But looking how we actively implement it, even more at the college level, but also at the tactical level and maybe at the professional level, uh, make it programmed and periodized like everything else. uh, Mm -hmm. In the standpoint, like, how do we measure whether they are recovered to hit that lift? Because a lot of times, if they're going to, in college, if they're going to lift twice in one week, you don't want to miss one of the lifts because you've lost 50% of your workouts for that week. But is it always the best idea? And what type of recovery do they need? Is it uh, neurologically they're fatigued? And so then they do need some type of recovery modality, whether it's a float tank or some other modality like that to actively progress them quicker to recovery so that they're all ready for the next workout. Or is it a, a local fatigue, meaning their, their legs are smoked, their hockey players' their legs are smoked? Well, okay, so let's actively, let's get them in the Norma Tech, maybe for the legs, but we can still do other workouts, upper body, uh, some, maybe some other type of erg conditioning or something like that. So my unprepared and, and maybe not best one is, is how to measure and integrate recovery and the levels of recovery and the levels of, of, of active uh, training within a periodized program. Now, now you're on, I want to hear what you got. And then maybe I want to read I want to maybe. get a <laughs> I, I think this goes for
0: the coaches for the, and any of the practitioners and even the athletes, um, establishing daily self-care, um, and I think that, that kind of covers the recovery piece, um, that self-care can be meditating. that self-care can be um, um, uh, spending time with your religious beliefs, um, that can be sitting down with your family and just having a real conversation. Um, whatever it is, um, really establishing time for self-care. I think we, we, we get into the weeds, kind of like you said, exactly. We, we, we think we go too fast that we never stop and think what's best for us um, holistically. And I think taking that time to take a deep breath is important. I know when I was a college coach, that definitely didn't happen with me. Um, and it definitely didn't happen with our players. Uh, and I think that if, if we could have done that as a whole, as a staff, um, and, as, and, and say, same thing established with our players, um, I think we could have gone a lot farther. Um, just because we would have been a lot more grounded in our overall understanding and our purpose of what we what we're trying to accomplish every day. And I think you do that, and I say it daily, because every day is a new day, and every day is different. So spending that time, if it's in the morning, if it's in the midday, if it's in the evening, whatever it is, but it allows you to stay grounded so you don't get super anxious or um, or hurt yourself or, or – or, or, have actions that you regret because of those poor decisions based on your lack of ability just to know where you're at. I'm reading on the unbeatable mind right now by Mark Devine. um, And he definitely hits home with that. Um, And and then definitely feeling and understanding that more and more reading Brene Brown and understanding her old philosophy um, that we just, we negate that as a society, because we in America, as a Western society is just go, 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 go until you break. And really that's the, that's the, the military's mentality. Go, 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 go until you break. Or it was, it's, it's becoming, it's becoming less and less that, especially with the awesome model that POTOF has with the five different domains. Um But I, I, I think that that's, that's huge. And I think if you do that, you have a better fighting chance to face the day.
1: Wow. That's amazing that you would say that. Uh, so I think the series on Netflix is called The Last Dance, but I'm not sure I could be wrong, but it's basically the Chicago Bulls saga. I don't know if you're familiar with that. So I'm, you know, not, not a uh, Bulls fan, but either way, like I don't dislike him. I don't like them. Same with Michael Jordan. I, I thought like, I, there's a lot of fan watching this. I'm becoming a Michael Jordan fan and I'm becoming a, a, The players that were on that team, a little bit of a fan, uh, getting to know that a little bit. But there's a quick story that that really emphasizes what you were talking about. In the middle of the season, Dennis Rodman said, I need to go. I need to go for 48 hours. In the middle of the season. And uh, they let him go for 48 hours, which turned into like 96 hours, turned into this. They had to go find him. He was lost somewhere in Vegas. They had to go find him. Well, they come back to practice, and uh, whenever he gets back after being gone for however long he, till they found him, and they were going to uh, run Indian drills uh, to make sure that, that Rodman got back in shape. And, and Michael Jordan was like, no, nah, man, I'm not running punishments because he was gone for this amount of time and he's getting in shape. So he, Michael Jordan tells the rest of the team, Hey, when, when you're in the front of the line, go really slow. So the guy in the back that has to sprint up, doesn't have to go that fast. Well, they start off like that. And Dennis Rodman is just sprinting the whole time. And that that's what he needed. He didn't decondition because of breaking away. He actually came back and was better and was stronger and was refocused because he went off and did his thing like that. And I, and I was talking to the guy that was sitting with me, um, real good friend of mine watching. He, he was a Bulls fan. Uh, and he was part of that, you know, when they were running their championship run. And I was like, I could have never been the strength coach uh, during that time. I would be like, what do you mean he's gone? We, we have to lift today or today's a conditioning day or today is this day. Like it's structured. This is how we do it. This is like, it, it would not fit into my framework. And I would not have been a good strength coach in that situation. But they made the right decision and everything else like that. So that just goes back to exactly what you're saying you got to figure out that that's awesome
0: yeah no doubt I, I, I agree and I I wish I I wish I understood that early in my career because uh, I would have found a lot more balance in my day-to-day and um, it would have been I think I would have been more thorough in everything I did and a lot less emotional um, but you live and you learn that's why your wisdom comes with age not with not with education but literally with age you got to live it so um, I think lastly, last question I really want to ask you, um, before I open up the floor to you, uh, uh, Tom is, um, any recommendations you have for any young, uh, coaches, um, in this field,
1: um, what do you recommend? Big picture. Uh, appreciate you asking me that. Cause I do get it often. And it's very humbling to me. Like I'll get young strength coaches that will do just as you said, they'll, call me, they'll contact me, they'll email me, uh, or something like that, um, and ask me questions. Uh, and I'm humbled because they value something that I have to say. And I realize that they don't, because there's plenty of other people out there that could give them just as good advice, maybe a better advice, but the fact that they're coming to me, and, you know, they're making me relevant, you know, they're, they're you know, it's an ego pump, just like yesterday, when you were asking me to get on this, you put a little ego pump. So it, it is a little bit of an ego pump, but at the same time, I take it back and it's humil—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, uh, humbling in the fact that they would consider me somebody that they're going to spend their time in, and listen to. Same as, as this uh, interview here, uh, I'm very hesitant on doing these interviews because I don't want to waste someone's time and I, and I sometimes question the value that someone can get out from what I'm saying versus someone else. Um, uh, so the question I get, one is... Uh, what is it? What is the tactic? I get the biggest one is what's it like in the tactical field? And and there's multiple iterations of that question. Uh, so if you're considering it, uh, my answer would be, go ahead and try it if, if you can, like, make that jump. It, it doesn't preclude you from going back to college or professional sports. But as far as I'm aware of, no one's ever said, man, I, I really wish I hadn't taken a job in the tactical field. I don't know of anyone that exists like that. I don't know that. Uh, and then there might be, and it just but I feel like it's on the lower end of the spectrum as far as the probability of that. Uh, and maybe it doesn't, it's not for you, but nobody has ever been like, I hate this. I've got to get out of this. This is a bad situation. I don't know of those situations. So if you're interested in it, the field is growing. Uh, go ahead and do it. Uh, as a younger strength coach, you have more mobility. People don't expect you to stay around as long, so you can come in, try it, and leave. Uh, within the, the special operations, there's the minimum of five years Division I uh, rep- prerequisite for you to 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 come with special operations, but there's a lot of military jobs that are opening outside of special operations that uh, don't have that same requirement. So that can be your leapfrog in. And if you like that, then once you get your five years in, because they're also counting military experience as far as strength and to go ahead and, and, and come into special operations. So that always gives you that opportunity. Another thing that I would, I would say, uh, I get contacted by coaches that are going through a tough time professionally uh either they are in a uh an abusive job or they are not in a job and uh what i can tell them is that they're not alone everybody not everybody a lot of people have been in some a similar situation and you can never get to what your goal is in the profession if you quit i said how bad do you want it because it, the road getting there is easier for others. It's harder for others. Uh, I don't know where I fit into that whole whole thing. But there's been there's been smooth times, joyous times. and There's been rough times. There's been times when I've questioned uh, decisions I've made uh, professionally and, and things like that. But uh, it's the same as running a race. You never cross the finish line if you don't keep going. Uh, and it's the same idea. If you're willing to keep doing, go through the grind, go through this time frame. Uh, I also had a strength coach that uh, did an internship with me. He had all the right cred- credentials. I mean, he had just finished, he got his master's degree. Great recommendation there. Did an internship with me at uh, Ohio State. Uh, and man, he was, was pounding the job market and just couldn't get a job. And it was getting. he was getting married. Um, and it was very distressful for him. And I said, you just got to stick with it. Uh, and... it. Like you, like it's the ending of a good Disney movie. Like there's always a a, a good ending, a happy ending, and there and everything, and it worked out for him. And it really will, it will work out for you. Uh, but look at the problem from two sides. When I say that, if you're in a bad situation, is it a, a them problem? Is it a you problem? Or it is a mixture? Take some personal accountability for where you are in life. That's why a lot of times, when, if I was in a bad situation, man. What decisions did I make? What actions did I do that led me to this point? Okay. Because I am to, none of us are in control of our lives. Depending on your religious beliefs and your spiritual, you know, you do have to, um, to go that way, but God helps those that help themselves. Right. And, but there's also a yin and yang to that. And is what have you done to cause yourself to be in the situation? And what can you do to get yourself out? Uh, I saw a cartoon the other day that was showed the, the point of it was was showing two different people's perspective and attitude. They were both in a, uh, a hole straight down that they could not get out of. It was in the ground, and that could be their, their final resting place if they didn't figure it out. And one guy just couldn't figure out how to go, and he kind of gave up on it. The other guy, what he did was he started burrowing into the side and creating stairs in the dirt to get out. And that's that same idea. Uh, find a way to, to to burrow into the dirt to create those stairs to get yourself out of that situation. Um, and like I go back to the original statement. Hey, you never get to where you want to go if you, if you stop going after it. So try and do that. So that's the two big questions that I get is what's the tactical field like? And without taking a longer period of time, try it. I think you'll like it. You won't regret it. And then the second part is, you know, How do I get myself out of these bad situations? How do I get to where, you know, where you are or or even better or or different and everything like that? Just don't quit. Same thing we tell our athletes, don't quit. Don't quit.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Um, The opportunity, your opportunity to go where you got to go will come. And you just got to, just like you said, sometimes you just got to be patient. It's not your time, and you got to respect that. And you get the sooner you understand that, the sooner you keep doing your job to the best of your ability, and then you make your opportunities by doing so. Um, I believe that. Um, I think last question, really, it's, it's it's giving you the floor. Anything else you feel like was not answered today, or you wanted to share? Um, this is your time. Um, and I, and I think any, any words of wisdom or, or, or nuggets, I, I like to call them knowledge nuggets, any knowledge nuggets you want to share, anything else you, you feel like that we didn't cover, please do.
1: I appreciate the open floor. And I, and I think you've given me a venue here to, to express a lot, a lot of my thoughts, whatever level they're worth. And, and so hopefully some people can, can take value out of the time they spent watching this. Uh, I really don't have a lot of closing remarks, meaning uh, I think we've covered a lot. And so I don't want to, you know, just kind of reiterate and, and things like that. But I want to, I told you I was going to do this before we started recording this. I want to flip it around on you. What what kind of nuggets, What, what's one thing that you want to sum up that you, because uh, you listen to a lot of these and you do the interviews and you're on that side of the of the camera and everything. What's something that you want to emphasize and, and kind of sum this 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 uh, interview up with? What nugget do you have? Um, you know, what, what I took from today
0: is exactly what you've said, uh, big picture from a, just representing the tactical sector of, uh, of human performance. It's, it's something that if you're all in and you make that jump, you'll never look back um, because the people you work with – uh, are grateful for your presence every day. Um, you get to be in a top-notch facility working with top-notch people. Um, and you're working for a higher purpose. The purpose is not money. It's not uh, fame. It's not getting in front of a camera. But it's it's for a higher purpose. And and that purpose is to fight for our everyday freedom. And I think if you really think about that and you're really willing to invest in that, um, this is something really special. Um, and that's why I'm here. You know, I've had multiple opportunities to go back to college, even go in professional, and I, there's no freaking way. Um, you, I, if I told you the amount of money it would take me, I still probably would say no, um, because life is more than money. Life is – it's about changing other people um, for the purpose of a better society. And I think what we do, what you do, what I do, what we all do – um, it's for that purpose. Um, and, and, and I, i just, I see beauty in it. Um, and everybody that I've helped get into this field from the other sectors of strength and conditioning, I always tell them, I say, call me after 90 days. It's the one thing I ask you, I'll give you 90 days, 90 days, call me and, and I want to hear your synopsis of what your first 90 days was compared to whatever your last umpteen years was in the, other setting, professional or college. Um, and I haven't heard one yet to say I have any regrets. Um, so I think that's that's the biggest knowledge nugget for this specific podcast because I think it represents it well. Um, and, and I'm thankful that we have a man of your character that I can reach to and I can get guidance on um, to make where I'm at better um, because I, I know you're, this is not for you. And because of that, uh, we can be better. If it was for you, you would tell me what would make you better. Um, and I think that you you limit a lot of potential of what this program could be, but that's not the case. So this program, the sky's the limit. And, And that's the exciting thing for me to be a part of every day, um, and show up Monday through Friday, um, and connect with the staff, connect with the airmen and, um, see everything move forward and i've only been in this position for four and a half months now and i will say that it's 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 moving at a rapid fire pace and i love it um, i love the buy in i love the, the 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 building of the culture the building of the staff the increasing of the staff um, all the elements so that's i guess that's my two cents that i got um, to share that's a perfect way to close it out i love it um, otherwise uh, uh, Tom, I just want to thank you for today. Thank you for your time. Time is precious. Um, and um, yeah, this is, this is the purpose. And I, I hope that you can carry this this vision on to others that you value in this field. So thanks again, brother.
1: Hey, I, It's my appreciation. Thank you to you for, for not only being a, a great coworker and team member, because you make, you make us better. And then, Thank you as we're developing this friendship, long distance and everything. But I do consider you a friend, and it's growing over time. So thank you, and thanks for having me on here. Thanks, Thanks again, brother. Thanks.